Podular Modcast is brought to you by the fine people over at Patchwork Seattle. Please visit them online at pachchwerks.com. Also, the people over at Needham Woodworks who make the finest Euro rack cases in all of the land. Please visit them at needhamwoodworks.com. I'm staring at mine right now. I stare at it. Every time you hear my voice on this show, it is directly in my line of sight. And I tell you what, there's no other view I'd rather have while I'm doing this. You know what I'm saying? Um, needhamwoodworks.com. And then, of course, we've got After Later Audio. Have you, have you played with this Benjolin yet? This Benjolin V2? Have you seen the Benjolin V2 yet? You've heard me talk about it. Um, do you know that it can be used with the Turing Machine Expanders, which makes it kind of a super module of sorts? Um, I'm telling you, no matter, no matter what kind of music you make, you could find uh, a home, in your case, for the Benjolin V2 from After Later Audio. So please visit afterlateraudio.com. Do you have an album that you just finished? Do you feel like it's the perfect synthesizer or modular album other than the mix? Are you just fighting it in your cans, on your studio monitors? Is it your DAW? What's going on? Well, I tell you what, you don't need to take up all of your creative energy trying to figure this out when there are people out there that can do it for you. I'm talking about Hugo R.A. Paris at Tiny Crush Mixing. His work is custom-tailored to synthesists and modular synthesis. He works on recommendations from Nathan Moody. So what does that tell you? (laughs) I'm looking at his background here, and it's, it's it's almost unbelievable. So let's just start with an academic background where he focused on acoustic and signal processing. That work led him to uh, work with MIT, Caltech, Stanford University. Uh, he has three of his own albums out. Uh, one is on Beacon Sound, the record label. Uh, so he's label mates with Terry Riley and Amulets and many others. Also has some music out on Jacktone Records. His albums have received positive attention from the press and have been reviewed by outlets such as Accelerator, Fact Magazine, and Resident Advisor. Like, those are the three for electronic music. Um, oh yeah, he also conceived and developed the spherical wavetable navigator, the flagship Eurorack module over at 4MS. So you're in good hands. His state-of-the-art studio provides the ideal listening configuration for your work. He also will do remote mix breakdowns with you if you're interested in learning you know, what he's doing and maybe how to do it for yourself in the future. The turnaround time is quick and he offers add-ons such as reamping and analog summing. Openings start now. So you're sitting on that album and you want it to sound as good as it possibly can? Then head over to tinycrushmixing.com and get a hold of Hugo. Hello and welcome back to Podular Modcast. My name is Tim Held, and I'm so happy to have Adam Harding from Board Brain Music on the show this week. Um, Board Brain is um, a very special and unique company that kind of bridges the gap between modular and uh, and the guitar pedal world in a way that I think is uh, extremely useful. So if you're somebody who works in the Eurorack format and uh, you love guitar pedals, but you've had some trouble interfacing those two together because of the difference in levels and yada, yada, yada. 
you're going to be very interested in today's conversation. But of course, we don't just talk about gear. We get to know Adam. Um, Lovely, lovely person. Great chat. And we're going to get into that in a moment. But real quick, I want to say thank you to everybody who has uh, recently joined the Patreon. It's been uh, it's been really a really great start to 2021, um, and I and I hope it continues. It really helps uh, me be able to just do all the cool stuff that I try to do every week um, on top of just doing the podcast. I'm, I'm getting more into video, as I'm sure you've noticed, dropping more exclusive content, a lot of early content onto the Patreon. Um, so yeah, thank you so much. And if you would like to help keep the LEDs blinking over here at PodMod, please visit patreon.com forward slash Podular Modcast. Real quick shout out to the animals at night. The geniuses behind the Pod Mod theme song, also behind this track that you hear right now. It's called Cold Spark. It's off the new uh, EP called Future Colors on Bandcamp. Thank you, Greg. I love this album or EP. And I just want to remind everybody last week, you know, we had Nero Bellum from Sacrament Modular on the show talking about uh, the, the Cursible. And uh, the Crucible is a very cool module that has become um, uh, one of the mainstays in my, my travel case. Maybe you don't know this, but it, it will not actually exist if, if you don't go buy one. It's, it's a crowdfunding effort, but the only funding comes from buying the modular. So it's basically a pre-order. And I think as of the time of your listening to this, there's only a few days left. Um, so I really, really think this module needs to exist. Um, Nero's worked very hard on it. Um, working with Erica Synths on it, so you know it's good quality. I mean, it's Nero Bellum too, so like you know, you know it's it's going to be good, and it's highly, highly useful. It's a, just a crazy matrix uh, effect send module that has a lot of hidden gems in it, um, and we'll get into a little demo of it later on in the show. But I just wanted to remind everybody up top that this thing will not exist if they don't reach their goal, and there's precious little time, so please sacramentmodular.com link in the show description we're going to keep it pretty brief today uh we're going to do a quick demo and then we're going to chat with adam from board brain music very excited about this chat so stick with us cool patch at the end as well okay let's talk about the cursible um if you've been listening to the show for the last you know two or three weeks you you've heard of it um and i'm sure you've heard of it uh in the in the greater modular community there's a lot of buzz going around about it it's a six channel effects send and return matrix um with a whole bunch of different modes that um are all equally as exciting in my opinion i've been really liking the clock mode um so that's what i'm going to be showing you today uh it's so awesome with drums so i've got this sample going from the 4ms stereo trigger sampler and then it's going into the percussion interface from 4ms and that's uh that's a little envelope follower it's uh creating a gate so that gate is um going to be switching between the different effects I'm not using Cursible right now. This is the dry signal. Um, so let's start fading this wet signal in. And I'm gonna take the dry signal all the way out for a moment. I'm only using three of the channels. I'm using the Data Bender, the Monsoon, which is a, like a mini clouds, and the Afterneath from Earthquaker Devices, which is a crazy reverb. Um, so I've got the Cursible in random clock mode, which means every time a clock is generated, uh, clock signal is sent to it, it randomly selects which um, effect it's going to send it to. Um, but it's it's actually changing a little bit more rapidly than I'd like. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take that signal out. 
I'm gonna run this uh, envelope follower gate into a Turing machine. Um, and then I'm just gonna get a random. Now I'm gonna get a random um, gate going into Cursible to switch between. Um, what I really like to do is, especially with this kind of random mode, with the, the Cursible and random, and then sending it a random gate based off of the sample, is it gives me a lot of time to, um, in between effects for modulation to switch the effect to sound quite different um, than it did the last time it was on that effect. So sending a really slow LFO into a couple different parameters on Monsoon and the Afterneath makes for some pretty cool um, variation when you go back and forth between the beats. Um, I also like to, uh, <laughs> it's getting pretty wild, um, keep a little bit of the dry signal in for this particular patch, just to kind of keep something steady as a base layer. So I'm gonna stop talking for a minute and just let you hear what Cursible's doing based off of what I uh, you know, said I had it set up as. That wasn't good English. You know what I'm talking about. Here we go. Switch back to the just the gate off of the percussion interface. So once again, the Cursible will not exist if you don't buy it. So please head over to Sacrament Modular and pick yours up today. It's a crowdfunding thing. It's not a GoFundMe or, uh, or Kickstarter or anything. There's no donating five or $10. It's just buying the module. So just look at it as a pre-order. And I can't stress this enough. Like I, I am personally invested because it has become such a, um, an important module for me um, that like I, I really really want to see this get made not just because uh, Nero sent me one and, and you know and I'm helping him spare the word like I truthfully want this thing to get made so please go visit sacramentmodular.com we're rolling awesome Adam thank you for joining me today I think we've sure. been talking about getting together for a while but I I say this all the time in these things where, where it kind of goes back and forth for a long time. It ends up happening when it needs to. And I feel like now is a good time because you got some, you got more stuff since I first contacted you and you got some new stuff coming out. So right. I'm, yeah. I'm glad uh, we finally got to connect. We did get to meet um, doing a Colorado Modular Synth Society thing last year. So that was cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's been, you know, we've, I guess we kind of lost touch a little bit and then the whole, you know, world problems started yeah, um, yeah. and everything 
everything got yeah. kind of pushed you're, back. You're on a list of like 20 people who I was like talking about, talking with, and then that happened. And it seemed to really just completely shake. I mean, obviously it shook everything up, but it even is down to like scheduling and stuff. Yeah. Like this, it was just such a crazy year. I, I think having the George Floyd thing happen right after, you know, like just a few months into the pandemic and then just everything like... I don't know. My wife and I were talking about it and, and we, we already feel like a sense of kind of like calm and ease that it seems like Donald Trump has, isn't commanding everybody's attention <laughs> as much right. anymore. Yeah. And the media um, is going to fall apart after this because they're not going right. to have anything to talk about anymore. It's <laughs> yeah. all they I'm ever talked about. Gonna, yeah. I'm worried they're going to keep talking about him, but, um, but yeah, it just really, it really shook things up in a weird way. But, um, but yeah, I think like in this case, I'm, I'm happy to be talking to you today because, uh, well, one, I'm excited Great. to get the scoop on what you've been teasing us about on Instagram. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So we can get into that. And I actually kind of, I don't typically do this with developers, but I feel like your products are like so specific and have like a, um, like a, you've carved out a really cool niche for yourself as a company that I think it would be kind of cool to go through your products. Cause I think for anybody that's just getting to know you through this interview, like it, you have something for every synthesis out there that's just like straight up useful as hell um so but before we get into all that how i want to get kind of your background where where are you from what kind of music do you grow up uh up with and like when did you find yourself in synthesizers well i'm from the richmond area of virginia um born and raised and um when i was seven i asked for a banjo for christmas and uh i got it and i started taking lessons and um from a really great teacher, um, an older guy, um, who was also a music professor, uh, at the college and, you know, had dyslexia. So he was a very interesting person. Um, so obviously I started playing bluegrass, um, which isn't, no one else in my family even played any kind of music like that. My sister played piano, mm-hmm. but, uh, except in my, you know, grandparents generation, there was, they played, used to play music and stuff, but, um, not my actual grandfather, but his brothers and used to play music. Um, and so I started, you know, get really getting into that instrument, um, and found a calling there and, um, a talent that I just, uh, really latched onto and did a lot of contests, won a lot of contests as a kid because everybody likes to see kids play music, Uh uh you know, the state fair stuff, um, Uh just everything. And, just like uh, talent shows, or was it specifically like banjo concerts? Uh, banjo banjo competitions, yeah. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, all Very over the cool. state. Um, we went to all the bluegrass festivals um, to see a lot of the legends play, uh-huh. uh, you know, like Bill Monroe and Ralph Stanley and all the guys that are gone now, and um, mm-hmm. and all over Virginia, North Carolina, um, Appalachia, just, you know, m- mainly Virginia. There's a lot here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a lot of old people. Um, and me, you know, but we would have jam (laughs) sessions and everything and jam around. And I think it was those jam sessions and stuff that just brought out the creativity. And I started doing my own licks and, um, Mm -hmm. you know, my own style, uh, a bit. Um, and then, uh, when I was 15, my teacher, he, he was tragically killed and, um, I hadn't been taken from him lessons from him for about a year. He had stopped teaching to do some other stuff to work on some property of his, Um, and then, so that was pretty tragic. And then I kind of fell out of playing that for a while and got discovered, um, electronic music 
when I was about 15. And uh, I was making it on the computer all the time. My dad gave me his hand-me-down computers all the time. Um, So I always had computers in my room. And, um, you know, I was using really old versions of Cubase and um, Rebirth like everyone else was and software Mm -hmm. stuff. And I had a a couple of keyboards. And so I got really into that. And, um, you know, the rest is history. I mean, just just kept going with that basically got really into MIDI programming. And, um, so, uh, and while I was doing that, um, you know, I worked for my dad for a while. I went to Virginia tech and started audio engineering. Um, I mean, I'm sorry, electrical engineering, um, didn't quite fit for me. So I went back to work for my dad and then, uh, that was, which is security electronics. So I was doing electronics and security and stuff. Okay. Um, cameras and card access stuff, electronic door okay. locks. I, I have a 06 electrician's license, and for five years I was pulling the cable for stuff. Like yeah, low-voltage stuff. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I decided to go down to Full Sail, so I went down there like a lot of people we know. And, That's um, in Florida, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was, you know, this is a while back, so it was before the whole school had blown up to the size it is now. Mm-hmm. Um, had a lot of fun. I knew a lot of the stuff going in, but it... Um, you know, especially like MIDI and, um, you know, mixing and all the basics, but it really exposed me to a whole new area of things and other people and music and ideas and, um, and then started getting into synthesizers there. Um, okay. and have just been, you know, playing synthesizers and stuff since, and, um, really only got into modular in the past, uh, like four years. Um, okay. obviously it became a, a trend and, um, but my bandmate, um, uh, Jason, who started Board Brain with me as a hobby business, um, you know, we played music a lot together and we just decided we wanted to make cool stuff that made things easier for us. We had a lot of ideas. We were always, since we were kids, we were plugging stuff into four tracks and doing things you're not supposed to with them. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and programming, using all the sequencers on the Yamaha keyboards we had, you know, the store-bought mm-hmm. ones and all that, um, department yeah. store keyboards. <laughs> And getting the most out of all that. And so, you know, it just made sense and it was fun. So we, we made the Patulator 8000 um, in late 2015. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. I want to get into that stuff, but I feel like there was there was this crazy jump that I feel I, I just want I want more information. Okay, from sure. Banjo, ban, from banjo to electronic music. Right. I thought for sure it was going to go banjo to guitar and then like maybe into electronic, but just that seems like such a a hard jump. So was there like an older kid or a friend of yours that's like, Hey, listen to this. Or were you kind of, I could see also at that age, maybe were you, were you thinking that like banjo and bluegrass wasn't cool or something or, uh, actually none of that. Um, I was already playing guitar a lot, you know, uh, my Mm -hmm. teacher played every instrument and he was amazing. And, um, so I learned how to play piano, um, and guitar. I played guitar all the time. Um, at the same time I was playing the banjo and, It just kind of, you know, they made sense. Uh, they're very similar um, mm-hmm. in the theory and, and the music that uh, bluegrass music has a lot of that stuff in it. Um, and played the mandolin too a little bit, um, but uh, my hands are kind of big, so that was difficult. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the jump happened uh, from early uh, internet. Um, I was just downloading these old music files called dot .mod files. Uh-huh. Um, they're early music files um before mp3s and there was a lot of electro interesting electronic stuff in there 
um, I guess you would consider it like progressive trance now. Okay. Um, at the time it was, you know, like early stuff. And then from there I immediately discovered, uh, orbital and those okay. types of groups, um, really early electronic groups. And so pretty fast stuff. Um, like tempo-wise. Yeah, I mean, you know, I didn't even know at the time. I, I loved fast music anyway because of bluegrass Yeah, it was kind of, yeah, that's kind of the connection. I was like, actually, that's not as far of a leap as I initially thought when you start mentioning, like, you know, right. progressive trance and orbital and stuff. And that's like the breakbeat stuff around that time too, right? Yeah. What really, what really brought me into electronic music was the emotion um, mm -hmm. and the, the pads of, some of the synthesizer sounds um mm -hmm. you know i'm i just love emotional music that takes you up and down highs and lows and i think mm -hmm, that was mm -hmm. that was the biggest part because i remember listening to it and like feeling music you know i mean i felt music when i played it all the time but you know you're always playing these classic bluegrass songs all the time and it's all the same mm -hmm. you know the same style and so it was i think it was the difference the fact that it was so different um, you know, I've never really stopped to think about it, so that's a great question, but it, it is definitely the juxtaposition of the two things that, um, you know, said, hey, let me just check this out for a while. And I never gave mm -hmm. up on completely on, you know, that side of it, um, the mm -hmm. folk music and, and stuff like that. Um, and actually, once I was in my 20s and I picked up the banjo again more seriously, um, I, I started writing things on the banjo that were... Uh, a little more eclectic and I've always liked Bella Fleck mm -hmm. and uh, experimental uh, banjoists, but um, you know, I got more into that. Um, you know, I have an electric banjo. I've had a few of them, um, you know, and plugging that into effects mm -hmm. and, you know, just doing more interesting things with it because I'm so comfortable on the instrument. Yeah. You know? I was going to ask how much you still played. Sounds uh, like it's pretty regular. Yeah, I mean, as of late, not as much um, because I'm really trying to crank on the board brain stuff and it, mm -hmm. work is all I do. Um, yeah. And so music is like, you know, maybe uh, twice a week for just a little tiny bit. But my son loves music, so we're always dancing and playing music. So Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> right on. So let's like 95% uh, like of the people I've talked to on the show, it sounds like you started your own company and started making your own stuff because you were filling a gap of something that didn't exist that you needed it, you know, like, Oh, we need to be able to patch this into this. Well, where can we get that? And, and you, is that, is that accurate? It seems like the patchulator 8,000 was born out of necessity. That, yeah, that was part of it. The other part was, uh, you know, my, my wife and I were both from here, but we had moved out to Southern California, um, for almost oh, okay. eight, eight years. And while we were out there, we both worked in the products industry, and I learned how to make products. Um, I worked making headphones, and, you know, she was developing um, snowboard gear and stuff. And so we were both traveling and making stuff, and I learned how to design products, um, you know, and what was important about that, how to market them, mm -hmm. um, and did that every day. Uh, and that was... Uh, that was really instrumental in just training my brain because I love to create. And that mm -hmm. was just a whole nother thing. Now I can create this physical thing. Mm -hmm. um, and then so when we moved back here, that's uh, all I ever thought about was, you know, what could I do besides, you know, just, you know, what do I, what do I want to do with the rest of my life? Uh, making it as a musician is going to be very difficult and not really practical. I need something else too. Mm -hmm. And so um, I don't really need a lot of money. I mean, I, you know, I just want to have fun. 
and we were playing music all the time, Jason and I. So, uh, yeah, we, we wanted this patching thing. We wanted to plug all our pedals together. And so I said, well, let's just sit down. And I pulled up Illustrator and we drew out a bunch of different stuff. And then while we were both still working other jobs, we just started making them and, okay. and selling them. And it took off really fast at first and then, uh, kind of plateaued and things changed and then we had other ideas and then it's somehow we're still selling them like crazy so it's right the simp on. simplest thing ever too you know so uh-huh well it uh, makes sense now that you mentioned like the, the the background design you know in design because your stuff <clears throat> like the shape the color just like the layout and everything it's all super unique and well thought out and it just it just looks really cool like <laughs> I'm trying to find a more sophisticated way of saying that your shit looks badass, dude. <laughs> right. Well, we tried to tone it down recently, so what you'll yeah. see, you know, in the future is is a little more refined. At okay. first, the whole theme was to be a little bit silly. Um, yeah, I mean the name the name Patchulator Eight Thousand is <laughs> right. Yeah, if you if you look at the original videos where uh -huh. we had uh you know like the the kind of robotic voice, uh -huh. um. You know, that was like really fun stuff we did where we do, we'd set up a whole table of gear, plug it all into the patchulator and a cool setup. And we had lights and all kinds of stuff. And, mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, and then we'd just patch something up and see if we could play something and figure out a riff. And then when we had something really good, we'd record and then we'd repatch the same setup and do, you know, maybe three to five to 10 sometimes and edit it down different mm -hmm. uh little music piece musical pieces using the exact same setup to illustrate that with the patchulator you can completely get something different without doing mm -hmm. anything but moving patch cables and obviously okay. playing different stuff but right right uh, but with the same gear okay so what made you kind of switch just like was it just kind of getting like creatively exhausting to try to do that or what's what's the what's the uh the impetus for the refinement oh recently yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm not really a silly person, I guess. I really <laughs> like clean yeah. technical things, but I also uh -huh. like things that are um, f fun. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's got to maintain that. Uh, I think it, it's just, you know, trying to get into the Eurorack space because, you know, I really love that space because it just opens up. You only have to make a little piece of an instrument, you know, and... Um, and to make it kind of go along with the other stuff that people collect for your rack, you don't want to be too wild and out of the box and right, too much right. color or whatever. You might turn off a lot of customers. Some customers may really love that, but that's my thing. Like I see like Eli at mystic circuits doing crazy purple and I'm like, that's counting right. on that. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, you know, but it's just not as much me. So right, it was, right. it was totally. finding the balance and uh, mm -hmm. it's easy to design stuff that is, uh, is, you know, relates to your character mm -hmm, i think mm -hmm. that you like creating obviously you know so definitely that's why it started going that way okay um, well it makes sense too i mean you just grow and evolve as a person and as an artist and i think i think all you manufacturers doing this stuff is your your devices and gear are pieces of art there's no question about that whether it's the circuit board or the layout um and the way it looks so you know it's just like it's it's like a it's just like a, a huge piece of like multimedia art or something maybe not multimedia but multi something <laughs> right right yeah functional yeah, yeah yeah um and i'm kind of dipping my toe into that world and it's it's been really fun so um but 
can you kind of give us just like a layout basic elevator pitch for the uh, Patchulator 8000 for anybody who doesn't know? We uh, kind of got the gist for what you're, how you're explaining it. But well, obviously, video, if you go to the but... website, it's, um, that's the first thing you do, and um, mm-hmm. boardbrainmusic.com, mm-hmm. and you'll see it there. It's sold out, uh, <clears throat> but we have more on the way. Um, it's always sold out. Uh, as soon <laughs> as we a make a batch, it's gone. <laughs> yeah, it's, well, we took, we, when we saw the octagon enclosure from Hammond, um, we already had other prototypes, and it's just a bunch of jacks wired together. Um, mm-hmm. But when we saw the octagon, it was, uh, wow, this is perfect because um, it's interesting. It's eight, we can fit eight channels on it, um, and uh, it can sit in between everything, you know, and especially if you have right angle cables. So basically, mm-hmm. you plug all your gear into it with quarter-inch cables, uh, typically pedals, but you can plug in line-level synths and things um, mm-hmm. into a channel. Each channel has an in and out on the side. Um, so if you had a pedal, you would just plug the in and out of the pedal to that channel. If you had a synth, you would plug the in, uh, go in and then out to your DAW or whatever you would normally plug it into like your mixer. Mm-hmm. And then the top jacks are mini jacks that allow you to interrupt those signals or patch them into a chain, uh, very simply. And you can go around to all the eight channels. They're very close together. So you can use all the same link. Uh, length patch cables. You know, we we had a prototype that was long and rectangular that sat on the back of your pedal board, but then we needed all these long cables for the long patch. And then uh-huh. for the short patch, if you had a long cable, it was kind of annoying. Um, mm-hmm. So it really just centralized everything. And uh, so that's that's basically what it does. But it the the beauty of that is that um, the the fact that it uses two different size jacks is it's also a format converter. Um, so it's, you know, 16 adapters in one. Mm-hmm. Um, we've even used it for uh, electronic drums before. There's a picture on our Instagram of it dangling below an electronic drum <laughs> to convert it to a mini jack because we didn't have any more <laughs> adapters. And we just were like, hey, we got 10 patchulators here. Let's just grab one and plug it in. So it's just hanging there below an electronic <laughs> snare drum, which is kind of funny. That's pretty funny. So it's really useful sure. in that regard, too, you know. Uh-huh. So... Oh, go ahead. And then the last use that we found, obviously, was uh, plugging modular into quarter-inch stuff. It doesn't do any – it's not active, so it's not doing any, you know, level conversion. It's it's dumb simple. But mm-hmm. uh, with some pedals like Mografogers and uh, even some older dry, overdrive effects and stuff that sound awesome when you hit them with hot levels, um, it works great. You know, okay. and, and also, you know, we have some older videos where we have Mografogers plugged into it. We have all the CVs plugged into it also, the CV sources and destinations. Mm-hmm. And then you can integrate that with the modular directly very easily. It's really cool. So if you have like four Mografogers and a patchulator next to your modulator, I mean, next to your uh, Eurorack modular, you can do some really neat stuff. Okay. Uh, very okay. easily. You just patch right into your Mografogers on the patchulator, you know. Yeah. So... After making this, it's like it's like a super useful utility, a way to like um, just really simplify and, and get the most out of your setup. Is that kind of the brain space that you're in? Uh, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> like before you even think of the next idea, is it like I want to kind of stay in this route, or is just that how you're kind of wired to think about ideas? Like how much did the the patch later and its its success kind of influence what came down the pike after that? Well, I think the first thing to note is that uh, we aren't uh, 
classically trained synth designers. Mm -hmm. So we knew that wasn't going to be something we would be doing. So we're not mm -hmm. going to create the next oscillator filter necessarily. Um, even though we figured out how to do that stuff, um, we're uh -huh. just not going to be on the cutting edge of that. Um, mm -hmm. but what we are good at, um, and me especially is, um, solving problems, uh, that people didn't even know they had, uh, mm -hmm. I think. And so utility is something that is easy to, uh, plug into a hole in up that where there's a hole like, uh, in what's available, you know, mm -hmm. and I always have those ideas for some reason. Um, and that's where like the transmutron came in, you know, it's like, how, mm -hmm. how can we blend pedals together with frequency, with a crossover, you know, how come there's not much out there to do that? Apparently there was a couple of other companies doing the same thing at the exact same time, oh. <laughs> um, you know, coming up with something similar as well. So we all kind of had that idea at the same time, but, uh, and I'm sure people have had that idea for a long time, but mm -hmm. we just decided to do that one too. So th those types of things, like how do we get the most out of the gear we already have? Um, and have more fun with it so we don't get bored with it. You know, it's mm -hmm. like, oh, we have this cool pedal. I've used it in all the different ways I think I can. Well, what other ways can I use it? And the gear that Board Brain um, makes is uh, facilitates that. I think that mm -hmm. is the whole idea be behind everything that we do and will do. Okay. You know, it's, it's just, I just kind of occurred to me that it's it's kind of cool to hear you like people like you in this position talking about this like and i imagine it because you're solving your own problems your own products that you're creating are probably making you better at your craft as a musician or at least your workflow as a musician which is kind of a cool lucky like i feel like with the smaller boutique companies especially in the euro rack world that's that's something that i'm i bet people at roland maybe don't do anymore you know it's just like such a huge company it's more of a job for them yeah right yeah this seems more like integrated and kind of symbiotic with with your creative side which is really cool it it really did help when making all those demo like we haven't done as much recently cuz we're so busy and now that the products are out there the at least the, the existing one there's other people making videos for us now basically mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but at first we had to, you know, show it as much as we could. And we had, we loved it too. It was fun. There's a lot of work making a video. We spend, you know, mm -hmm. a whole week sometimes. Yeah. Um, by the time we're done, you know, but that really making those videos where we repatched everything, it just honed in our own craft and our music got better. Um, our, our creativity, we could just come up with stuff on the fly and just bang it out, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but. Jason and I always had that synergy anyway, since we were kids, mm -hmm. you know, he's an incredible drummer, um, incredibly creative. I mean, I just, I can't overstate that. Um, and then, you know, I, I love banging out bass lines on the mug and, mm -hmm. um, and coming up with melody and he's an amazing guitarist who comes up with things that are adds notes that I would never think of adding. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, kind of like Trent Reznor is good at that. Uh, mm -hmm. he's real similar in that regard. And so when we, but somehow when we start jamming, they just, it just happens instantly. So all the songs that we write together are written in, you know, 30 minutes usually. Okay. Um, and then we and spend a week. And you're still making week. music together? We're not now uh, because okay. Jason moved, but uh, we are going to try to do it remotely um, okay. very soon. You know, once we both kind of, he's settled in and then once Board Brain kind of catches up um, because he's not with Board Brain anymore either, but he's still mm -hmm. a big part of 
you know, what it is, uh, for mm-hmm. sure. So that's awesome. And you said since you were kids, when, how long have you guys been friends? Uh, I guess since we were about 12, 13. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Me and my best friend have been friends that long as well. And it's, it's, as you get older, you think that's the norm and you meet people, you know, in your twenties and thirties and it's actually not like I've got a group of, I think seven of us who, some of us became friends in kindergarten, but we're still like, that was my whole wedding party. Same, wedding, same. Yeah. When I got married. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think it's that small, like, are you kind of from a smaller town in Virginia or, well, I guess not Richmond, right? Richmond's well, we're small. outside of Richmond, but everyone, okay. every, you know, RVA is the, the thing. Everyone has RVA stickers even out here where I live, but I'm uh-huh. 15 minutes away. So, okay. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, we all grew up together. Um, Jason and I did not. Uh, do anything together for about 15 years though you know we, oh, we really? went our separate ways yeah so That's especially funny. when i was out in california you know so oh yeah he was doing his yeah. own thing he was going to colorado and living there and um he lived in nevada and so he's been all over as well and then every we, everyone just ends up back kind of where they yeah. came from a lot of people do yeah yeah um, that actually happened with my so my best friend we both currently live in seattle but you know high school the bands together um I went to college and then he went to school in LA and then I moved to Michigan. He moved to Oregon and then we started making music remotely from Michigan and Oregon. And then we both moved back to Washington to make music together. <laughs> right. And we've been back since 10, you know, 10 years. So right. yeah, that's funny how that works out. It's not the, the pull of home, you know? Yeah. It's family for sure. Uh, you know, yeah. my grandparents, my grandparents, uh, my grandmother was by herself and she was getting old. So, you know, okay. we came back to be with her, you know, a lot of that. So you feel bad, yeah. you know, everyone disappears in their twenties and you're like, man, I could have learned a lot from my grandparents when I was partying, <laughs> but yeah, I didn't, right? <laughs> you know, I regret a lot of that now, but you know, you know, I've, I've spent some time thinking that way too, but like, you're just not in that headspace at that age. Too you're many distractions. Open. Yeah. You're yeah. not open to receive that wisdom. So it's like, it's not really, I try to tell myself it's not worth me lamenting too much because, you know. There's not much you can do about it. Exactly. But you yeah. can kind of try to pass that on to the next generation, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, I'm, you know, me and my wife are, are trying to have a kid, and I'm, I'm thinking about that. Like, how, how can I try to bestow wisdom onto a, a 10- or 12-year-old brain that is a way that they can understand it, but it's still a developing brain, you know? Like, there's probably plenty of books about it, so I'll start reading that once once it's getting closer. <laughs> sure, yeah. It's, you'll figure it out. It's not too bad. It's not hard. Yeah, so it's, you guys have kids or a, one one child? Or yeah, we have one three year old boy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Man, how's that going? It's it's great. Yeah, it was yeah. hard at first, you know, but um, yeah, it was great. He's na- named after my music teacher Arthur that I told you about. Okay. And um, it's fun. Loves music. Uh, most kids That's do. That's awesome. And uh-huh. if you find that your kid doesn't love music, I feel bad for you, but because um, <laughs> it's really fun when they do. And uh, yeah. some, you know, they pick up melody and rhythm so quickly. Mm-hmm. They'll just be humming songs all day in their head. And you just, wow, how do they, you know? So obviously there's something about music um, that it transcends the, just every, all the, all these other things that we think are important. You know, it's like, yeah, it just, it's deep within yeah. us. It's really you know, deep. It, it trips me out to think about, but I've been in, I've been obsessed with music longer than I've been committing stuff to memory. And, and I mean, what I mean is I get told about times when I was young that I have no memories from that time of running around singing 
Wang Ch- everybody Wang Chung tonight through a little portable like karaoke <laughs> machine, like a Fisher Price karaoke machine. Or right. <laughs> I just dated myself. Um, <clears throat> okay, so the next thing that comes up, um, you kind of just mentioned it, uh, was the transmutron, right? That was the second. Yes. Okay, and that that thing seems really cool, but a little bit more confusing and maybe a little bit more in depth than the patchulator. So, right. Can you give us an elevator pitch on that one? Yeah, that um, that pedal um, basically allows you to blend two effects chains together in three different ways. Um, oh wow! So the first way is using a crossover filter, and that was the primary way we wanted to do it. So uh, you plug your signal in, and then you have two send-in returns, and then okay. you have an output. Um, and it has a stereo output too, if you want to use uh, the left and right. Um, and it splits your channel, uh, your signal um, with a crossover filter. Um, we have, it has three different slopes. Um, so okay. it goes up to 48 dB per octave, super steep if you want. Okay. And then it'll send the lower half to channel one effects chain and back, and it'll send the higher frequencies to channel two and back. Whoa. And then okay. you can modulate uh, manually um, that split point, the frequency, um, with the knob or an expression pedal or CV. And um, so it makes it fun, especially with audio rate CVs or the fast LFOs, rhythmic random LF, uh, random modulation, like sample and hold. Um, mm-hmm. It just, it's really fun to play a guitar through it with, with like that. Um, and then the second mode is just a cross fader mode. So it just mm-hmm. fades between the two uh, effects or effects chains. You don't have to have a single effect on each one. Um, mm-hmm. And then the last mode <clears throat> puts a super, a huge uh, notch filter, the kind of wide one in the middle. And it sounds very, it has uh, some serious resonance on it too. So it sounds really uh, like a phaser. And um, especially when you sweep it around. So that's Mm -hmm. actually cutting a hole in between the two signals. Okay. Uh, So there's a gap. Um, Okay. And so that sounds pretty interesting. That's, that's just seems like the way I'm, I'm thinking like, how am I going to use this is a small Eurorack setup with no effects and maybe like, you know, three different, maybe six pedals on, you know, three different chains. And that way I could get like, a lot of variation and out of the same patch. I'm constantly looking for ways to be able to stretch out a patch for maybe a 30 minute performance or something. And it's just really hard to do that without really, you know, powerful digital modules that have a bunch of different saved stuff, you know, like you have to be pretty good at synthesis, I think. And I think being able to change between multiple effects that are pretty drastic from each other is a great way to inject um, just some uh, variation and cool life into a patch so that's right there just sounds super super useful in a live sense yeah i'd say that's the definitely the best way is to use effects um Mm -hmm. you know switch something on at a certain point um the nice thing about transmutron i guess it allows you to fade those things in and out you know Mm -hmm. um or you could use super slow lfos and things like that to slowly morph from one effect to the other yeah between like two i'm thinking like if i had like a, a Chase Bliss mood on one side and then like the Empress reverb on another side and just having like an ambient patch that kind of slowly faded between those two reverbs, I think that could be just, you yeah. could do some really cool stuff with that. Uh, the input on it is not at a Euro level because um, it's a you know guitar pedal. Uh, it okay. works great with line level devices like drum machines. 
especially mm -hmm. because then you can send just the the lower frequencies like the bass drum and stuff not to just one distortion or whatever you want in the high frequencies to like a um sample rate reduction or something mm -hmm. like that and keep those off of the bass drum so that's really cool um, but it does have uh besides those two pedal level effects loops it also has two eurorec level effects loops oh, that wow. are in series okay. with those um so channel one has a pedal effects loop and a eurorec effects loop so if you have a guitar and you can you can plug into your eurorec and run it through filters or effects in your eurorec if you have effects modules which are becoming more popular now um, uh -huh. on each of those channels um so wow. that's Wait, so do you crossfade between the Euro and the pedal channels, or are you, you or they're can, kind of at the same time? But they have to be oh. on different channels. Okay, you know, gotcha. You know, so you gotcha. only fade between channel one and two, but each channel has a Euro level effects loop and a line level effects loop. I see. Um, I see. And you don't have to use either. You can uh -huh. leave it empty and just have your effect on one side and fade from clean. Um, right. Or you can use one or both uh -huh. on each, and they're in series. Uh, so you right. have like channel one's euro and then the and then the pedals, and we okay. chose that order okay. because most uh, reverbs and things like that you want post, and those are in pedal format typically. So we we put that after the euro rack effects loop on each channel. I see that yeah. makes sense. Okay, so I'm al I'm already seeing, like okay that comes out. How much, if at all, do does like the customer base influence the next product. Like this was really cool on Transmutron, but I'm using more Euro. How, like, would it be cool to do this? Is there any of that interplay or is it still just kind of all coming out of your head through your own experience of just playing music? It's really a matter of paring down the lists of stuff on the whiteboard. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like there's hundreds of ideas really. Right. And so it's, uh, they're a culmination of feedback uh, when I'm sometimes I'm on modular grid and I'm just getting lost in obscure stuff from like five years ago uh -huh. uh, that never came out and I'm like reading about it and it'll I'll be like oh yeah I had that idea to put on this <laughs> and I totally forgot <laughs> that I had that idea to do with this and so we really it's it's just about figuring out what you have time to do what you mm -hmm. can do yeah. um, because with Transmutron. Uh, we hired um, a friend of ours um, who became a friend of ours through looking for someone to help us make the product. Mm -hmm. uh, we fully designed it exactly how it would work, and it ended up being exactly what we wanted. Um, but we had to hire some engineering help um, because we really only understood how to do analog circuitry. I mean, that was the only types of hobby stuff I was doing, circuits mm -hmm. I was building on breadboards and, and prototypes I was you know, soldering together um, myself. And, uh, so that had to be digital, um, cause the, we wanted, you know, fourth order filters and the fact that you've got two effects loops, you need multiple ones and they have to modulate together. And it was just getting, we started to draw a schematic analog and it was just, it Would was have been like the size of a giant pumpkin or something. <laughs> it probably could have gotten it in the right size, but it was just too much, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. so we found a DSP engineer who is into ambisonics and, um, audio stuff it's local and he's awesome he's our age and it just turned out to be a great relationship uh working side by side um that's awesome to make it a reality and but since then most everything's been brought in house um they are working on another digital product for us it's a long-term one it's going to be awesome okay. um not the one that you've been teasing lately nope. on instagram no okay, cool yeah okay 
but um, uh, they have are helping us with some other stuff too that we just don't have the means to completely do ourselves, you know, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. as far as the electronics design. Yeah. Uh, but we do build well, them all, so. That's got to feel good to get to a point where you're like, we have to hire somebody. Well, we were there pretty early because uh, <laughs> yeah. Transmutron was right after uh, Patulator, which is uh, super uh-huh. simple, you know. Um, so but I, I have experience in, you know, low voltage stuff and power and power supplies and making sure stuff is right and wiring mm-hmm. up, uh, low voltage circuits. And then, you know, reading a lot about, um, analog audio, uh, design, um, all the usual books that everyone will recommend. I mm-hmm, have all of those. Mm-hmm. And so just started, you know, building a lot of modules, all, all the modules I have besides a few are all built, uh, from, PCB and panel that, you know, I just buy, um, and looking at the schematics, copying pieces of schematics and trying them out, you know, so, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it seems like, like the dark arts when you have no experience with it, but then you start kind of dipping your toe into it and you see that it's just a really complex web of tiny little systems that you kind of, it's like a signal chain of effects almost like, I mean, I guess that's the way I'm understanding. I'm still at a very, very low level, but you know, it kind of is. And then there's a lot of big picture things you have to Mm -hmm. have experience messing up. Um, Yeah. (laughs) You know, I, there's certain things you do have to be aware of. Um, But, you know, I, we do consult with these guys that we work with um, all Mm -hmm. the time and ask some questions and, um, you know, throw them some money to, Hey, can you help with this design we're working on a little bit and let me know what you think? And they say yes or a no, or mm-hmm. we're too busy or yeah, that's great. And you're doing a good job and you may want to consider this. So, okay. So, so the next right things on. we're doing are mostly in house except for one big project, which is a little bit further out, you know? Okay. Okay. It's got, how hard is it to have a, a whiteboard full of hundreds of ideas and, and have to, do they all become your baby or do you have to kind of like how much choice, like when you're choosing which one to go in, like which one to pursue, is it, how much of that is like market driven? Like maybe you want to do uh, idea Y more creatively, but you're like, but idea X will sell better. Is that kind of in the decision-making process or is it always what you think is going to be the most fun? I, it's about a 50, 50 because you know, yeah. you got to make it worth your time. So it's so much time invested in each product that -hmm. you make. Um, Mm -hmm. There's so many things that people don't realize that you have to do. I mean, you've got to, you know, just from sourcing all the parts uh, and then arranging for all those to arrive um, Mm -hmm. and assembling everything, that's just part of it. And then you've got to create all the marketing materials. You gotta tell everybody about it. You've gotta put it on a website. You gotta take great pictures. You have to come up with packaging. You know, so if you're going to hack it to ship it, yeah, (laughs) you got to, you know, like so much stuff. Yeah. And then you got to put it on all the different places. If you have reverb shop and you got all this stuff and then you have to tell all the stores about it and send them emails with, you know, details and get pricing and all that stuff straight. And, um, and and that's customer support is probably a huge part of it too. Yeah. I mean, it's not a huge part, uh, because we don't have any major problems with any of the stuff that we've made. That's Um, good. Yeah. But I can see, you know, as you make more complex stuff, that's going to happen as you sell more too, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I've even had companies, you know, friends who are, are making modules and stuff. They'll get emails through their like store website saying, hey, can you teach me what an LFO is? <laughs> you know, right, right. like that. And it's kind of like I could, but that's not really what I do. But um, yeah, yeah, usually it's, it's 
you want to be nice, so you do give people some information. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you do get the same questions a lot. Um, But, you know, uh, uh, customers are the bread and butter of everything you do if you want to make a living from it, you know. Mm -hmm. And we're kind of barely making a living from it now. We just (laughs) want to take it to the next level and have a, say, medium-sized company and, and be just have fun with everyone else in the industry, not be, you know all about the bottom dollar and or the bottom line and mm-hmm. and making money like some companies we all know of um really just a manageable size have fun spend time with my family still and just make cool stuff and i'm just drawn to making things you know mm-hmm. and so yeah. i'm I actually more drawn to that than making music for some reason but i know they mm-hmm. they go hand in hand and i think once i get over the big hump that we're going through right now i'll have more time to get back on music and do some more fun videos and another mm-hmm. album or something, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. I'm, 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 you know, after doing this show, I think it'll be it's just a few weeks away. It'll be three years. Talk to many people, manufacturing, all small companies, mostly, you know, like a big company in Euro is like 10, 15 people. Um, and it's just like the more I'm getting to know and see behind the scenes, how much work individuals are doing or just like two people teams, like, I just want to say this to everybody listening out there. Like, you need to give them, like, you get, we all need to buy you flowers or something. You, you bend over backwards. Just buy our products. Long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, lots, um, lots of all-nighters. Uh, yeah. You know, not, I, I, I say all-nighters, but I, I cut it off at two. But, um, <laughs> but I consider that an all-nighter, you know. Uh, oh, yeah, Because you're getting right sure. back up and doing it again at 8 o'clock in the morning, so. Uh huh. Um, when you got it, when it's crunch time, it's crunch time, and mm-hmm. a lot of times you're sitting around waiting on vendors, like, "Hey, where's my enclosures or whatever it is?" Or, uh, yeah, you I know, can see that and then all of a sudden it all comes in at once, and then it's bam, bam, bam. You know. Uh huh. Uh-huh. So that's that's <laughs> the main problem. It's not enough time, and that's about the whiteboard. It's it's not so much about what's going to sell and what I want to do. That's fun. It's like, what do we have time for? Also, you know, mm-hmm. you can't yeah. do it all at once, and. Uh, I mean, I mean, maybe if somebody wants to give me a you know quarter million dollar loan and I can hire five more people, <laughs> right. uh, we can do all those projects. But they're not going to be as good as if you kind of organically build one mm-hmm. thing after the next, you know. And you're probably going to run into problems. Yeah. You know. Well, I think it maybe it keeps you. I wonder if I wonder if that kind of keeps you motivated, knowing that you have a long list, but you you're you're and when you choose one to like pursue, you're like, okay, well, I better you know, I got to make this as good as it can possibly be because I, you know, I'm leaving all these other ideas behind. I could see that keeping you honest in a way. Yeah. And and that's what drew me uh, personally to uh, trying to make some Eurorack modules. There's Mm -hmm. a lot less uh, work to make a module, at least, you know, a a regular module than there is, say, something like Transmutron, um, Mm -hmm. like a whole pedal. You know, right. uh, it just, there's a lot less things to think about. Um, and I talked about this on, um, on the other podcast, uh, that we were both on recently, um, about how pedals just, it's just like the three dimensions of it. I mean, modules are three dimensional, but really they're two dimensional, you mm-hmm. know, like the, the, the parts, uh, really the user interface parts. Um, but with pedals, there's so much to worry about like, things fitting and coming out of all angles and you have to present yeah. it more of like, 
you know, we put a lot into this one thing and here's its own box that's unique and all these unique things about it. Whereas modules are kind of like a, a series, right? Yeah. So yeah. We, you can design a whole series at one time and you make them all very specific little functions that are very effective. Um, and that is, you know, what modular means really. I mean, mm -hmm. that's the yeah. definition is that it's all little pieces that together make something bigger. And whereas a pedal, mm -hmm. although it is by nature a modular thing, um, it just, it doesn't feel the same. It feels like more has to go into it uh, when you make one. Yeah, I hadn't so, even really thought of this, but like rather than an enclosure, you get to use a panel that's the same like dimensions pretty much as the circuit board. It, that's got to make just right there in itself just make things super, like way easier. Yeah, and the fact that it's all, you know, Someone like, uh, let's say, like Boss or Chase Bliss or something, all their pedals are in the same enclosure. So that is a little bit easy, easier. Mm -hmm. um, what they're doing is still extremely incredible uh, and advanced technology. Um, but as far as like just, you know, planning out how everything's going to fit, uh, the patulator and the transmutron and interfix, and we've done some strange form factors. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and figuring out how to make a jig to drill those every time and that everything's going to fit, um, you know, it's a little, it's, I'm not going to say a hassle, but it's, uh, it's certainly more hassle than putting something behind a panel. Yeah, definitely. You I know. can see that. Just a quick break to tell you about modbang.com, the home of the glow in the dark cables, glow in the dark patch cables. Um, they have all sorts of great colors. They have angled cables. They have 3.5 to quarter inch cables. They have quarter inch cables. Did I mention they glow in the dark? I love them. I absolutely love them. You hit them with a black light, you know, get in your studio. It's already cool because everything's blinking. Add some extra coolness to it. We all know that we are all drawn to modular from, you know, because of the, the sound and the, the technology and just what you're able to do with it. But we all have to just admit to ourselves that it also just looks really cool. You look over at your synth and it's like, hey, come play me. Now imagine that thing's covered with an assortment of all sorts of crazy colors that are glowing in the dark. I mean, I don't have to sell you on this idea because you already bought it and you don't even know it. But you need to buy the cables now. So head over to modbang.com. I think I'm getting good at this, uh, this sales ad, ad, ad breed stuff. Maybe not. I'm making myself laugh. And, um, you know, that's all we can do in this life, really. Um, thank you to everybody, again, who supports me on Patreon. I've been trying to just, you know, you know express that gratitude more often. And, uh, and also, I just want to say, if, if you want to help keep the LEDs blinking over here at Podular Modcast, please visit patreon.com forward slash Podular Modcast. Be the change that you want to see in the world. I think Jeff Bezos said that. Um, there's a lot of talk going on right now about how the world is a scary and dark place. But we have agency in that. Do you want to shine some light into the darkness? Well, I think I've made my point. Anyways, let's get back into this chat with Adam because this has gone wildly off the rails. So I want to talk about, I really want to talk about what, because I still don't know what this uh, Euro thing you're working on is, but I don't want to over um, just skip past inner effects because that's the one that I was really, really drawn to. Um, especially after we were talking on that same uh, Colorado thing. That one sounded like the one that maybe 
uh, could fit into my system the best. So could you give us the little ele elevator pitch on that one? Yeah, Interfex um, was originally called Interceptoid. Um, <laughs> and it was a little, it got to be a little long. Uh, so huh. we shortened it. And uh -huh. we wanted the word effects in there. So <clears throat> uh, Interfex is what it ended up as. Uh, that was originally conceived because we wanted, the, we were plugging pedals into our modular uh, with the patchulator. Um, and we knew that there were some issues with that, um, which we ran into often. And usually it was coming back in and amplifying it because mm -hmm. um, you can attenuate on the way out pretty easily. But needing an amplifier every single time you want to come back in um, was a problem. Uh, and there was only a few modules out there. And they did a pretty good job. But it, was just, you know, it just felt like there needed to be something that lived amongst our pedals. And we had a lot of them. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, or on the pedal board, you know, which is kind of interesting, but you can just pull it out, throw some pedals together near it and plug it into your Eurorack. And, uh, so Interfex was born and the idea was to be able to switch it and have it work either way. Okay. Uh, so each mm -hmm. channel, it has three channels. Each channel, uh, will, has a switch called the interchange switch, and it allows you to. Uh, change from sending Eurorack signals into pedals and back or sending a line level instrument like a synth or drum machine into Eurorack and back to line. Mm -hmm. um, so the switch, oh, wow. okay. so the switch in it switches the circuitry around completely to work in the other direction. Uh, it also needed to have a mix control for dry wet um, and CV control over that parameter. Um, okay. So that's what it is. And uh, there's three channels of that and a tiny little box, and it can sit next to your pedals. And you can plug your rack into your pedals, or you can, on another channel, you can go the other way if you have an awesome filter in your rack. Mm -hmm. Or, like, I love the, uh, the Bit Razor, just one of my favorite uh -huh. modules. Um, I run drums through it all the time and stuff. So if I wanted to run something external through that, uh, that's very easy. Like the Moog MG1 is one of my favorite synths. Run that through the bit, the uh, bit crusher and the sample rate reduction in that sounds mm -hmm. incredible, and so it just made it a lot easier to do that. And then you can dial in exactly what you want. Then you can do rhythmic CV or any kind of CV control over the blend, um, and that was pretty neat. And then one of the cool things that happened uh, when we were playing with prototypes is uh, flipping the switch in the wrong mode while you had it plugged up for the other mode. Um, fed the effect back into itself as you turn oh, the knob down. So we were getting feedback effects, uh, and we loved that. So uh, we got rid of the channel normaling. We had channels normal to each other uh, because that made that a problem um, in favor of uh, feedback. So you can flip it into the wrong mode and get really cool feedback effects depending on the effect you're using, and then CV over that which is really neat. So. Wow. That's so cool. That's something I hadn't even really thought of. It's just like CV control on sending stuff into effects. Like that's, yeah, that seems like a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, I, I have to know now I'm, it's, it's getting, it's getting to me. What, what's, what's this, what's this Eurorack thing you're doing? It uh, looks like it's about four HP, six HP. Well, um, we started designing, um, one primary Eurorack product over a year ago, uh -huh. and it's gone through, um, I think now, I'd say eight and a half iterations of design. <laughs> uh, 
uh-huh. um, before we even started really working on uh, PCB layout and getting the exact circuitry down. And we're working with our engineering friends that I told you about back and forth on that. Um, and we got about halfway through that when, you know, the whole pandemic thing was happening and we decided to, nobody knew it was going to happen financially. And it's a big financial uh, investment for that particular product. So we decided mm-hmm. to put it on hold uh, halfway through and work on some of the other stuff we knew we wanted to do as well. That was a little easier to take a risk on. And mm-hmm. so, um, so that product, I'm not going to talk about okay. yet. Uh, but the other Eurorack stuff, um, is a line of utility modules, um, that have to primarily do with interconnectivity with the outside world again, with line level stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of the stuff that was missing from, you know, our systems that we really wanted and uh, that we had already prototyped on smaller boards and stuff that were janky and wire, hand wired uh, <laughs> just because we wanted them. And it was like, Hey, let's improve it, make it better. And then it just kind of like, it got bigger and bigger, uh, more modules. And so now there's about seven that we're going to try to launch about the same time here. Oh, wow. Pretty Holy soon. Shit. And uh, so, and there nothing, like I said, nothing's revolutionary, but they're very interesting and very useful types of things. So it's the normal things you would accept from, uh, expect from BoardBrain. Okay. Okay. So I can talk about some of them too. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, let me pull up my, one of my design files here so I can reference it. Um, uh, so one of the main ones is a um, guitar interface, um, and you plug directly in. Uh, to your modular into the module from your instrument guitar or bass okay. uh it's got mm-hmm. um a really cool sounding overdrive and an effects loop that you can go through your rack effects or filters and then a line out to come back out so you could just bring your guitar into your rack do some stuff come back out to your amp or daw from there uh-huh. um, okay. but that's not all it's got a lot more features it um besides that it has uh an envelope follower um, with sensitivity okay. control and also, you know, three settings for speed, uh, response it has a gate generator in it too. Um, and then it also has, uh, an amplifier simulator circuit, which is based around a series of filters, uh, analog filters. Um, so it gives you an amp sound, um, and oh, there's whoa. a character control that gives you a huge range of different amp characters as you sweep through it. Uh, and a presence control, which gives you a lot more low end or not, you can cut that out and a bright switch and you can turn okay. the amp sim on and off if you want, but for, for guitar, you probably want it on, but it's really uh-huh. so you can hear the difference. And then if you wanted to plug some other kind of thing in like a synth and you didn't want that on, but you want the envelope follower or something else, you know, you don't have mm-hmm. to deal with that. And then it also has a Eurorack, um, uh, audio output too. So you can stay, you can plug the guitar in and stay in Eurorack. You don't have to come back out. Okay. Okay. Um, so that's a really that fun. Seems really useful. Yeah. It's really fun. We've been playing with it a lot, um, passing it around to s- some of our local friends here that are all into this stuff too. So um, that's a real fun one, and uh, we'll probably use it a lot for our own music. And, uh-huh. uh, right. So it's just kind of going the other way, you know, starting in your guitar and going in. So I was kind of doing that like mid. Mid early pandemic, that was my thing was getting my guitar into my Eurorack, and 
I was kind of getting what you were explaining, but through a handful of modules. Right. So it sounds like this is like really streamlined. And, and I think a lot of guitarists are going to be really excited about this. Yeah. It's really designed specifically for it. And you know, it's just got all the things we wanted, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, when you plug in the envelope generator <clears throat> or the envelope follower, sorry, into a, you know, one of your favorite filters and run that through it after the drive circuit, it just sounds, you know, really cool. We've, uh, we're using, um, uh, germanium diodes in there just to give it a little bit softer clipping uh, in okay. there, but you can you can go all the way from pretty much clean all the way to uh, pretty ballsy overdrive, especially if you have active pickups. So you can use okay. it with other pedals first. You can plug into your favorite overdrive before you go in, um, but it does have that built in. And then the amp sim coupled with that just just makes it really easy to sit in front of your modular and just start playing guitar and dial in a, a swath of sounds because the character control really just gives you all different types of amp sounds. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. You know, if you couple that with the drive and the bright switch, which you can flip on, which kind of boosts the highs or not. Um, and then coupled with maybe your guitar controls, uh, you know, for your different pickups or plugging in different types of guitars, you can just get a lot of, a lot of cool results and it's real easy to use. So, yeah, that sounds really awesome. I love the fact that you can do that. I love that idea with the amp sim on it and the, and being able to turn it off. Um, it seems like maybe this one out of the, the seven or eight, you kind of were just talking about this. I, I could see a sparkle in your eye talking about this one. I feel like you're really <laughs> excited about this one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it came out of nowhere. It was like a big breadboard project that I was working on mm -hmm. and I didn't expect it to be even be a product. Um, and I took, uh, there was a couple of circuits in some books that I thought were really interesting. And, um, I breadboarded them out very similar and then just kept changing it over the course of months and tweaking and mm -hmm. tweaking and tweaking. And then, and it turned into something totally, it's like not even close to what the original circuit. And that's usually how I work. It's like, yeah, I have a reference. I'm like, Oh, that does what I kind of, what I wanted to do. And let's just keep playing with it. And eventually, um, mm -hmm. it turned into, you know, this product. Do you have to worry about feature creep? Is that something that you have to keep yourself from, from doing? Like adding or, too much? Yeah, just like be, yeah, just being like, well, we could also do this. We could also do this, and then you have just like this huge list. Usually, you try to like, I, I try to pair it, like eliminate things as soon as it comes up. Like I, okay. I like to make decisions immediately because then uh -huh. they linger and you can't sleep and all that. So mm -hmm. I like to write down. I, I have lists of pros and cons in my design documents, like just hanging out. Uh -huh, in the ether. Uh -huh. Like I use illustrator <laughs> a lot and they're just like comments all over the place. And I'm like, and I rank order some of the features and I'll take things out and add them back in and then save a new version and take them out and add them back in and until it kind of comes together. So yeah, you're right. <laughs> the, the hardest part is when you get it like mostly done and you share it with your friend and give them the module or the product. And then they go, Oh, um, can it do this, this, and this, and this? And you're like, well, <laughs> that would be a complete redesign. And <laughs> so. Yeah, that's got to be heartbreaking when that happens. Um, well, not that, you know, I didn't think of it already, but I have to exact, explain yeah, to them yeah, yeah. that that's why it's not there. Right and, right. and of course you can't have everything. So, right. And, right. and when modular, the fun thing about it is you, it's really easy to eliminate things uh, because there's so much other stuff in modular. You know, it's like, oh, should this have mm -hmm. a VCA in it? It's like, well... It could, but you know, they're yeah, everywhere. Exactly. So you don't have to have it in there, you know, that kind right. of thing. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Um, we're coming up on an hour, but I would love to hear about 
some more if you want to tell us a, a little bit more about what unless you're, you can play as sure. close to the vest as you want obviously but sure i mean um, if anyone's listening we'll give them the the treat and let them hear about everything um <laughs> yeah uh another one is uh, an outputs module that i've been wanting um it's two stereo inputs with vca uh cv control over them um to a master out with a uh, headphone and um uh, Q switch to switch from channel one, channel two in the headphones or the mix, the master mix. Okay. Okay. Nice. Um, and it has balanced outputs, which I definitely wanted. I mean, if you haven't used balanced outputs coming out of your modular, if you're just coming out of like a rosy or something like that, uh, and you're running more than say five feet, uh, you're going to hear, if you A beat it, you're going to hear a huge difference. Um, so okay. I just really wanted this in my system. And I know there's some balanced stuff out there, and they can get kind of expensive uh, multi-channel-wise, but um, I had to have that. Uh, and then I had to have a mute kill switch for the master outs. Um, I wanted it to be useful for live situations. So mm -hmm. uh, you get everything queued up and stuff like that. You can queue up something else, the other channel, before you even bring it in, which is nice. Or you can hear the yeah. mix in the headphones or channel one or channel two. Um, having VCA control over those channels is nice, too, but... The main thing um, was having that mute out uh, so, you know, after you get everything set up or whatever, or if you just want to kill everything, you just basically kill the master out. Um, so, you know, you just got nothing coming out. And I think mm -hmm. that's going to be – it's sim so simple, but it's a super useful feature because you're not going to unplug stuff. You may not want to change your settings, mm -hmm. you know, um, where all your knobs are. So, I love the idea of having a queue on on something that's something that i've really kind of felt like i've been missing for live situations so right. i'd love to just audition some stuff before i make that commitment especially if i'm trying to improvise on the fly you can you can improvise improvise with a bit of a parachute right yeah so this module because it has two stereo ends um which isn't a lot the original had three but it just got to be too much um mm -hmm. you can use it in a couple different ways uh one way is to just kind of mix between two different complete mixes if you know you have a lot of mm -hmm. sub mixers in your system and you want to bring this part of a song in or a song in and this one out or whatever it's very easy to just do here at the master out uh mm -hmm. the other way that's really useful to use it is uh your like effects return you've made lots of malts and sent a bunch of stuff to a reverb or a delay in your system and you want to bring that back on say channel two stereo mm -hmm. uh you can bring that in and out as you want so you can dry up the whole mix and or bring it back in and you can use cv yeah. to control that too so oh uh, nice okay yeah so that's what's useful about that and it has a you know dual um vu meter too five five segment on oh each channel. awesome so, so it gives you some um idea of what kind of levels you've got there so that's the one thing that i really miss in mixers in euro is just like yeah having some sort of vu like a, a visual representation of what's going on um yeah. Especially if you're playing in a loud environment and you, you, don't, you don't really trust your ears. Um, yeah. Really useful. And we had a limiter in there originally and three channels and the kitchen sink was in there too. And it was just, <laughs> uh, it just got, it was too big. You know, I was yeah. thinking who's going to buy this, you know, 16 HP outputs module um, unless you got a big case, you know. And right. I still want to make it eventually if it makes sense, but it's just, it just mm -hmm. didn't make sense. So it got reduced. The limiter was nice because if you had crazy spikes out of nowhere, you know, it, especially in a live situation, that's going to help you. But the, you can always place one after this. 
you know, something like that or before it. So right. um, it didn't make it. The kill switch was more important and room on the circuit board in a smaller panel. So Yeah, the kill switch sounds fun too. So it's it's like a utility that has some like actual performative like Yeah, it wasn't designed to be performative, but uh it's designed to just be able to, like if you're in a big PA, you know, uh -huh. and it's it's clickless too, it's not gonna pop. But if you're in a big PA, you know, you just wanna be able to walk away after you get it all set up, just kill the sound so you know, nothing's coming through. Mm -hmm. So I had a kill switch installed on my um my Les Paul. So maybe that's why I, I, I went performative in my brain to it. Yeah. So yeah. I can just like oh, yeah, tap you can it use and kill it, yeah. <laughs> it sounds so dumb to have just a, something that simple, but um, it just, I had to have it. It's too useful. Sometimes that, those things that you think are dumb and too simplistic are like exactly what you need. Like, I don't know. I think a lot of times, especially in utilities, like a good, simple, useful utility is, is going to be, that's going to catch my eye before the next cool, like wave shaping oscillator or something. Yeah. I mean, and, and especially in modular, because uh, are you one of those people that's afraid to, like, leave your speakers up when you walk away to dinner? Because you're like, well, maybe something's <laughs> going to happen and it's going to start feeding back if I go, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I got to run to the store or whatever. Uh -huh. You know, I don't want to walk away. I'm not going to turn it off because I've got sequencers that will lose everything. But mm -hmm. I don't want to walk away for dinner uh, without something. So just flipping a switch is so easy, you know, and then you come back, you just go right back to where you were, so. Yeah, yeah. I always have to lean behind my big, my big case to turn my speakers off. And yeah, yeah. so, um, um, so yeah, uh, some other stuff um, is a single channel version of the Interfex in a module. Okay. Um, so that's ex it's exactly the same. The only difference is uh, we've made it um, twelve dB uh, cut and boost when it goes in and out to pedals, rather than nine. Um, just okay. because some don't like that, uh, much gain, they like it to be a little less. So especially digital pedals we found, okay. uh, and blooper was one of them that a lot of people had talked about just doesn't like okay. hot signals. So we just brought it down a little more. Okay. Um, so that's a very simple, small module. Um, then we did, uh, another one called, uh, exchanger, um, which is a, another line level um, module and it has an interchange switch as well, but there's no mix or anything, but it's stereo pair, three stereo pairs that allow you to go in or out with 9 dB booster cut. So it's, and it's very small. So it's, you have, you can use a one as a master out. It's unbalanced, but you can use one channel as a master out stereo. You uh -huh. could use one to send to a pedal reverb and one to come back from the reverb stereo, you know? Okay. So okay. it's just three different stereo channels of Euro to line level with a switch to change directions on every single okay. one. And that's, okay. so that's nice too. Um, especially mm -hmm. if you have pedals sitting right next to it, or you have your interface right there and you don't need balance connections. You can just, so you could have six channels coming out basically okay. or going in well. or going in. Um, uh, another one that's pretty simple is called uh, mimics right now. It's a, it's a buffered malt, but, uh, it, gives you some nice indication and each malt has four outs or four copies, but each channel does something different on the fourth one. Um, the first oh, one cool. gives you an inverted copy. Second one gives uh -huh. you a full wave rectified copy. And the last channel is actually will sum them together and they're normal to the first two, but you have four inputs. So it's a four input mixer at the bottom. So, you know, stuff you've seen in your before similar, 
but a little uh-huh. more interesting things going on, especially if you run audio through the full wave rectifier and stuff. It sounds yeah. really cool. Yeah. Uh, Way to make a molt cool, like, like interesting more than useful to make yeah. a molt interesting. <laughs> and it has, you know, just, it has dual led indicators so you can see polarity of the signals too, which is nice. That's pretty awesome. Um, yeah. so that's a real simple one. going to be very inexpensive. Um, then another one we're doing that is pretty important is that people have been wanting in Eurorack is another option for ADAT IO. So okay. we're making an eight channel ADAT IO module. Okay. Um, that one is difficult and we are working with, uh, our friends on that one, um, to help us with some of the more difficult parts of that, but it's very small. It's all in one, eight channels in eight channels out to eight at, uh, right now we're limited to 44, one and 48. So we can keep the cost down without a bunch of extra parts and make it really small. Mm -hmm. Um, but it does have dual led indicators on all the, um, receive lines. So analog coming out. So if you have something like Bitwig or the Ableton CV tools, uh, Mm -hmm. it's really useful for that. You can see the signals and, uh, and, but it also does have uh, internal clock which the expert oh, nice. sleeper stuff doesn't have. So you could use it as a master. Um, uh-huh. And the way that uh, we're using it for the prototypes currently is to connect two cases together on opposite sides of the studio uh, without analog cables. And so okay. so one of them's a master, the other one's slave to it, and optical has virtually no noise because <clears throat> it's digital. So you can connect two cases together and have eight channels in and out on, on both. That's super useful way to use it yeah. as well. So the internal wow. clock was pretty important on that. Okay. Uh, nice. But other than that, it is it is what it is, and it's meant to be pretty straightforward. But it's definitely mm-hmm. something that's been needed. There's a couple of threads on Muff Wiggler that are, how come nobody else is making an ADAT, ADAT module? So uh-huh. it's coming. <laughs> um, it might be one of the later ones to come. Yeah. Because okay. uh, it does have a few bugs still. Uh, and then another one that's really cool that um, we think is going to be neat is a five-band equalizer. Um, it's basically a five-band graphic EQ. with Thank you. <laughs> um, and there's CV control over every single band. Uh-huh. Um, and then there's a balance and level control. It's also stereo. Okay. So if you, and it has a mono out. So if you use the mono out, and you use both inputs, you can use the balance control to crossfade between the inputs oh, cool. as well. Oh, wow. That's a really good idea. Yeah. But one of the coolest ways to use the CVs with an equalizer, <clears throat> because I, we weren't able to find another one that had CV over every single band. Uh, we also mm-hmm. decided not to do parametric, to do graphic. Uh, even though they're knobs, it's very skinny module, too. It's nice and um, compact. The reason we decided to go with graphic is it's just so easy to just grab a knob and go. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. it's high, high, mid, mid, low, mid, and low. And that's it. You know, you don't have to, it's not a surgical EQ. It's really just shaping. Um, yeah. and it's, it's, I find that way more useful in this, in the Eurorack world. If I want a parametric EQ, I'm doing that in the doll afterwards, you know, mm-hmm. uh, surgery type stuff, you know? Yeah. I've been really wanting something like that for your live, though. like send my, my, to do my, my main mix. So I could see like, to have a stereo mixer and sending it to both. I get two of them, maybe. Yeah. And it's kind of, that sounds Absolutely, really, really yeah. And another really cool thing we found playing around with prototypes um, is the fact that we have CV on every band um, allows you to do amplitude modulation on a specific band. 
which actually sounds really cool, especially if you do it at audio rates. So you could mm -hmm. modulate just the high mid frequencies with one note from another oscillator uh -huh. and uh -huh. the low frequencies with another note. And you get these really interesting harmonics that I don't think you can get with any other type of device. Um, because you're basically, okay. you're modulating those bands that are isolated. I think you could do it with something like, um, like one of the frap, the frap tools, uh, uh, what multiband isolator thing they have. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's, uh, about 10 times the price. Yeah. <laughs> I was wondering maybe shelves, shell, maybe shelves. I don't know. I, yeah, I maybe really gel, gel with that one, but, yeah. um, but it's very simple, easy to use and has a lot of options and it's stereo. So it's nice. That's so awesome. It's really useful on effects. So if you have your mm -hmm. reverb, like a reverb, or I have the um, uh, dual looping delay, 4MS. Mm -hmm. And to just do some shaping on that, you know, just bring out the high frequencies or even modulate that, uh, the high frequencies mm -hmm. or the lows or whatever. Cut out all the lows and then I'll modulate the mid frequencies and stuff. So the delays have some variation frequency-wise. Wow. <clears throat> so. Sold. Yeah, that <laughs> one's pretty fun. Um, and so that's basically the line. There's one other that is in limbo. Um, but so we're trying to figure out the best way to launch it. It's hard to build all this stuff at the same time. So mm -hmm. if, if you have any recommendations on how to launch it, because we want the impact to be good. Um, obviously, we're not doing anything revolutionary. We're just doing fun stuff that we mm -hmm. think everybody is going to like. And so, you know, when we work with, say, Perfect Circuit or something, you know, are we going to give them just, you know, three modules and focus on those at first? Or are we going to give them the whole line? Maybe something gets lost because we give too many at once, you know? That's what I, like, right when you asked that question, the first thing I thought of is, pair them in twos or threes that you think would be like the best three that would work well together. Right. Yeah. Um, that's my, that's my like knee jerk reaction, but I'd love to see what the listeners think too. Like hit up that, uh, the gear talk section on the discord server. Um, well, they're just going to want it all at once. So can... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, but I think with, with, with saying that, and that might be true from the consumer <laughs> side of it, I don't think that helps. I don't, I think, I think it'll, I think it'll get lost. Everything will get lost in the mix. Wait, which one's that dude? And then I think you, you have, you run the danger of somebody maybe confusing one to have a feature that the other one has because oh, I, I watched the demo video. I read the website. I'm going to order that one because it, you know, I could see, right. I mean, that would be on them. That would be on them for not doing enough, but I could see that happening. Um, and wouldn't it be just way more work for you to release? Like it is, uh, but you know, the nice thing about this is, you know, we're using all SMT assembly services for okay. the, the circuit boards. So, um, which we do on everything now, we've actually remade the interface as well to, okay. to, um, so, and that's another so you're thing. you're just doing through hole and knobs at in-house then? Bef uh, yeah, basically. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All the UI parts and jacks and stuff. And, um, mm -hmm. of course we're building all the prototypes surface mount here you know i love like i love soldering hand soldering surface yeah. mount stuff it's very sin for me you know uh -huh. i listen to music and i can spend all night doing that just making modules and stuff so i don't mind doing that but i just cannot you know we can't do that for production obviously and yeah no one in the right so mind long. would so they're mm -hmm. not too hard to make um so it's not too too much work to try to do a lot at one time but it will delay some release so thinking to start mm -hmm. with the um the guitar interface and maybe the outputs module together uh and yeah. maybe the eq 
you know, and then kind of do the, some of the simpler connectivity ones with the ADAP module when that's ready, you know, mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah, that, I, that act, that's, that's kind of what I was thinking. Those, those three sound great together. I think the, the guitar interface for you guys is a good, is a good move early because you kind of already, you have your, your foot firmly planted in the guitar world. Um, yeah. more so than other Euro brands. So I think that, that would just like make sense from a branding aspect. Um, maybe bring some of your, your non-Euro people into Euro rack. You never know. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, like I was saying before, the reason we're doing it is just cause we just want these things in our case and taking a <laughs> break from a few pedals, even though there's some other pedals in the works eventually, <clears throat> but, yeah. uh, it's just fun stuff, you know. It's really neat. It's kind of behind the curve, behind everybody else doing it, but all this stuff takes time and it's a learning experience for pace. us too. Yeah. Yeah. As so. long as you're as long as you're having fun and you feel like you're making something that's worthwhile and you're not, you know, you're not losing losing your house on it. I think right. it's worth it's worthwhile, right? Yeah, the nice thing about the Eurorack stuff is it's like I said, it's a little simpler because they don't have to do as much and all the power is the same on everything and, you know, mm-hmm. similar. Um, and the risk is lower for each thing. Mm-hmm. And you can just add a little module in every few months, you know, and just have something yeah. added in without making a huge presentation about this whole new pedal, you know? So yeah. it, mm-hmm. it feels more like it's a piece of a larger thing rather than a whole I thing. Hadn't, yeah, I hadn't thought about that, but that's actually a good idea too with the with the, the if you're releasing like kind of in a series a bunch of stuff you don't have to it's kind of do like one initial push for the you know hey this we're going to be releasing stuff in a right. series but you're not starting from the the ground not starting from zero every time you're trying to do uh promotion because i imagine the promotion aspect is really really time consuming just thinking about how to do it and then actually executing on it yeah we're, we're trying to get other people to do that uh from now on and just help us yeah. with that and like i said we have a good uh, relationship with a lot of retailers because they sell so many patchulators um, mm-hmm. over the past few years. So uh, we just want to give them something to talk about all at once besides just like one little thing, you know? Right, so that's right. why it's that been kind sense. of a wait uh, to get all of these things ready at a similar time so that we're not like, hey, we made this one module. What do you think? Can you make a big deal right, out of right. it? You know? <laughs> so, right, right. No, that and, makes sense. And board brain is utility stuff and it's always going to be that way. Uh, so we want to just like people to, it's hard to get people excited about a utility and most, most brains would have a hard time doing that. I think. Yeah. So, yeah. So we want to make sure well, it's, it's got a little more impact and fun for people. And they're like, Hey, this has got the feature I always wanted. So that's cool. Mm-hmm. Finally, you know, yeah, and we want to, the, well, the idea I mean, is to get it to people, not to make money. Really. It's like, Hey, this is what people have been talking about, you know? So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was just talking with Corey, uh, Red Stripe Down, the other day, and we were both talking about how, like, the further into modular you get, the more excited about utilities you get. So right, right, yeah. I, I can see it hard, hard to make it, you know, sexy from an advertising point, but there's definitely a lot of people out there who that's, that's their bread and butter in their system. And I, and I wanted to also, something I was, you know, thinking before we even started talking is just how cool I think it is that Board Brain is really etched out. You, I feel like you occupy, like, your own little like special niche within this, this, you know, synth modular pedal kind of community, a good bridge between there. And, uh, yeah, I think you're doing great stuff. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, in the future too, we've, we're planning on doing some more stuff that is really bridges that, 
you know, I mm-hmm. think these modules do, but they are Eurocentric. But mm-hmm. um, I, I we want to do some more stuff that's similar to Patchulator, but with active circuitry um, to connect things together. Um, a lot of people have been asking for asking us directly for a desktop uh, kind of utility box with mm-hmm. all kinds of interesting things in it, like um, you know, small mixers. Um, like a simple LFO. Um, I don't know why I'm drawing a blank with all the features that we wanted to put in something like that. Uh, you know, active buffered malts, all that types of things on the desktop. So people who are kind of into, say, semi-modulars only, like they have, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Mother 32 or, you know, some of the other Behringer stuff or whatever it is out there mm-hmm. on their desktop, but they don't have a full system but they may want something that gives you some utility, kind of like the Moog CP251, mm-hmm. but less geared around, you know, the quarter inch type stuff right. and maybe a little more features and a little more fun uh, with mini jacks, basically. It's, it's funny so. that you mentioned that because towards like halfway through you telling me about this line of euros coming out, I was thinking this would actually be cool to just have a little 110 case of just all of that to be my, like just a utility control forge right so right. i i see that and and you know i i think the i think the semi-modular stuff i said this for a while a long time ago i think i think it's gonna i think it's gonna keep going and i think a lot of people are are, are getting into it and i think there's gonna be more stuff coming out in that format so it might be who knows like keep an eye on that market it might be something that really that you guys could make and yeah. be really successful with i mean we've, we're already seeing key, more keyboards with patch points Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, like Arturia obviously has a lot of that stuff. Um, and even the, uh, uh, Dominion one, which is a great keyboard, great synthesizer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so maybe we'll see guitars with many, many cable patch points on them and things like uh-huh, that, you know, uh-huh. that's kind of interesting. where you I could like take that. maybe outputs just each pickup and do certain things with them and, you know, or whatever it is, active circuitry in the guitar and. It does more mm-hmm. than just uh, give you a signal out, you know. Mm-hmm. So maybe, yeah. maybe there's a way to bring all that together. And I think modular kind of opens up those doors because there's so many different things that it does, you know. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, I could sit here and spitball on this kind of stuff all day, but you probably—it's probably getting close to dinner time for you, <laughs> and I don't want to take up too much <laughs> of your day. Fine. Yeah. Um, but when can people start kind of anticipating some of this stuff coming out? Well, I'll just say one thing first, um, and that is that we are re-releasing the patchulator, interfex, and terminal as version two um, first, and that okay. will be in the next few weeks, uh, probably three okay. weeks or so. So they're getting slight updates, and um, the patchulator will get slightly different graphics. Um, it's getting uh, new jacks on top. Um, a little bit better made insides, uh, better powder coat, all that stuff. So um, everything's kind of going to the next world first. And the reason we're doing that first is because we're just so backordered on those products that we mm-hmm. just want to get those out. And then as soon as those are built, um, we'll start building these modules. So all the modules okay. are ready, um, except for maybe a few tiny little tweaks on the ADAT module. And... Right after that, we'll start making them. So we're hoping by end of February, we'll be announcing everything, like, okay, you know, in formal fashion. 
So, okay. uh, and starting to share stuff. And I don't think we're going to do like pre-order type stuff. We're just going to let everybody know, let the stores know uh, before everybody else probably so they can get some in mm -hmm. stock and then just have a launch day, you know, and they're in stock and people can just buy them right then. Okay. So. And where can people go to keep an eye on these announcements and, and whatnot? Uh, well, we try to do Instagram, but when you're busy, it's, uh, it's hard these days. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, especially when we don't have a lot to talk about at the moment, except like, yeah here's the circuit board or something. Um, <laughs> but once we'll have a lot to talk about once they all launch. Uh, uh -huh. But really the website, we have a newsletter on there you can sign up for. Um, you'll automatically be on it if you buy some cables or something from us, which I encourage everybody to check out our cables if you haven't. Um, mm -hmm. Those are another thing that's hard to keep in stock. But uh, if you hit me up or us up personally through email or contact us through the website, we'll give you a 10% discount coupon for cables or splicks or whatever oh, that cool. is. So, uh, so if you want to try them out, that's a good way to do that. So that'll sign you up for the newsletter, and we'll definitely let everybody know. We don't send out a lot of emails with that, so we won't spam you just when something's new or we have a big sale or something. But that's about it. Right on. Well, man, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, thanks, Tim. Uh, catching up with you. And thanks for letting me talk about all the stuff we're, we're doing. So <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. So that's the end of the chat, but it's not the end of the episode because um, after we were done recording, I remembered, oh, yeah, there's a thing we do called the patch challenge. Um, are you interested? And, and uh, yeah, Adam was game. And the words he got were starved strings, which I think is really cool. So let's check out starved strings from Adam Harding. <laughs>
Okay, that's our show. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you, Adam, for uh, being a guest. It was really, really nice to to get uh, to chat with you one on one. Don't forget to check out all those new Board Brain uh, products coming out. Lots of useful stuff. Um, don't forget to check out SacramentModular.com to help um, you know get the Cursible made. I, I mean, have I said enough times on this episode how cool I think it is? Um, thank you to After Later Audio. The Benjamin's still blowing my mind. Still. Uh, Still working on getting a video for that, a demo video for that. And there's some other really cool stuff coming out of After Later um, within the next few months, I'd say. So keep an eye out. Thank you to Patchworks, P-A-T-C-H-W-E-R-K-S.com for their web store. Thank you, Needham Woodworks. Thank you, Mod Bang Cables. Man, lots of sponsors on the show. And uh, thank you, listener. Very much appreciate your support. If you would like to help keep the LEDs blinking over here at PodMod, please visit patreon.com forward slash podular modcast. Let's finish the rest of this episode um, with this jam from the animals at night. It's off the Future Colors EP. Go check it out on Bandcamp. Until next week. <laughs>